You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Brampton, Ontario. For more information about our church, please visit harvestbrampton.ca. Let's pray. Let's pray. Psalm 8, verse 3 says, When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? God, you are very great, but you care for us. Lord, your greatness doesn't cause you to step back from us. Your greatness moves you towards us. And God, we've experienced your care and your love, if nothing, by giving us new hearts and opening our eyes to Jesus Christ. And we thank you for your son, Lord. And God, we've experienced your care by you giving us your word that speaks to us, that speaks to us right where we're at in the midst of family. You have given wisdom, Lord, because you care for us. And God, in your care, would you help me to communicate your word that you have written well to your people now, Lord. They're your sheep. Help me to feed them, I pray. So give me strength, Spirit. Would you help me to be clear and to handle your word well? And would you help us as we listen to what you have to say to know the the ways in which we need to apply your word to our life? Would you lead us, God? You've been leading us already. Thank you for the time of singing, Lord, to you in that powerful time and the the breath that we took, Lord, to sing those songs you gave to us. I thank you that you care about every detail of our life. So lead us, Lord. Continue to lead us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can take a seat, and while you're taking a seat, you can take your Bibles and open to Proverbs chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, our ushers are coming forward, and they would love to give you a Bible. All you got to do is put your hand up, and they will give one to you. And we're continuing in our series called Lord Give Me Wisdom. And today, we're asking God for wisdom in my family. Lord, give me wisdom in my family, and family, family is a place where you can be helped. It's also a place where you can be left to yourself. It's a place where you can experience forgiveness. It's also a place where there can be constant strife. It's a place where you can feel valued and loved. It's also a place where you can feel underappreciated. It's a place where you can experience peace and joy. It's also a place where you can experience sorrow and grief. See, family is a spot. It's a place where some amazing things can happen. But it's also a spot where some very sinful things can happen. And that's why we need to listen to what Proverbs has to say about family. God has spoken to us. And the writer of Proverbs actually cares deeply about family. And we know this because it's a father who's writing to his son. Proverbs 1 verse 8 says, 
Hear, my son, your father's instruction. It's a father talking to a son. And he says, hear what I'm saying. And he says, and forsake not your mother's teaching. Listen, son. Because this father wants his son to be a good man. He wants his son to have a good family. And so God, the Holy Spirit, moves this father to write to his son and to us because he cares about our families and he wants us to have peace in our family. And so in this message, we are going to see that every member of the family can cause some real damage. Every member in the family can rob their family of peace. But, but God doesn't want that to happen. And so he tells us all the wise things that we can do so that there would be peace in our families. And so if you've got a pen with you and notes, you can write this down. If you want your family to have peace, children, don't be foolish, be wise. Children, don't be foolish, be wise. Proverbs 10, verse 1 says, a wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. So the Bible is clear here. There are two types of children. There's foolish ones and there's wise ones, and they have an effect on their parents. Proverbs 17, it'll be on the screen for you. 17, verse 25. So the foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her who bore him. See, the mother experiences bitterness because she cares deeply for the child and the poor decisions that the child is making is having an effect on her. See, everyone in this room is a child of someone. Everyone in this room, we are all a child of someone and what you're doing with your life at this moment is either bringing joy and gladness to the heart of your parents or it's bringing them grief. I remember the first time I got suspended, well, the only time I got suspended in high school. Happened once. I never considered how hard it was gonna be for my mom to receive that phone call. My mother was a single mom raising four kids. And at the time when I was in high school, working two jobs and trying to get through teacher's college. And she receives this phone call and I never considered the shame and the embarrassment that she would experience when the principal said to her, your foolish son, he didn't call me foolish, but I was being foolish, can't come back to this school for a week. I have never forgotten when I walked through that door, the look on my mom's face. See the foolish choices that we make don't just affect us, they affect our parents. It hurts them deeply and children, especially those parents who are doing their very best to teach you and to parent you and to love you and to tell you the wise ways to go. So Solomon calls this son foolish. He says the son is foolish. Now you might be wondering, how can I know if I'm foolish? How can I know if I'm being a foolish son or daughter? Well, based on 
what Proverbs teaches in other, in other spots. You're being foolish when you tell lies. You're being foolish when you engage in gossip. You're being foolish when you get drunk. You're being foolish when you act selfishly. You're being foolish when you think money is everything. You're being foolish when you isolate yourself and think that you don't need anyone, that you don't need friends in your life, that you don't need community, that you don't need support around you. You're being foolish when you're lazy, when you refuse to work hard. You're being foolish when you're rash with your words, that whatever comes to your mouth, you just say it. You don't care if it hurts anyone. You're being foolish when you're quick to anger. You're being foolish when you commit adultery. You're being foolish when you think that you're never going to be held accountable for the things that you're doing in your life by God. That's the fool. And so a foolish son, a foolish child brings grief to his parents, but it doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to be like that. The child can actually bring joy to their parents. Turn to Proverbs 27. We're going to be turning a little bit, so I appreciate that you move with me. To Proverbs 27. 27 verse 11 says... Be wise, my son, and make my heart glad. That's how you do it, by being wise. The father says, be wise, my son, and make my heart glad. And one of the best ways, children, for you to be wise is to listen to your parents. If you want to be wise, listen to your parents. Proverbs 23, it'll come on the screen for you says, listen to your father who gave you life. That's important. You're here because of them and God, obviously. But they gave you life. And do not despise your mother when she is old. So often children don't listen to their parents because they think they're old. That word despise means to view or consider someone or something as insignificant. Teenagers and young adults, this is where you live. You think the things that your parents say is just insignificant, that it can't be of any help to you. You think your parents don't understand the times, that their advice is out of date. But here's what we need to remember and never forget. There is nothing new under the sun. And so the thing that you are experiencing, the thing that you're trying to work through, so often your parents have already been through it. They've already had to think through it. And sure, maybe nowadays it's a little bit more nuanced and the answer is not as simple as it used to be, but they've had to think through it. And so the wise thing to do is to humble yourself and listen. And I'm speaking to the young kids, but there's also some older kids in the room and you still have your parents in your life. You should be listening to them. There's wisdom there. It takes humility, but when we do it, we will walk away a little bit wiser. And now maybe you're sitting and you're thinking, okay, Marv, what if my parents aren't saved? What if I'm saved, but my parents are not saved? Should I still listen to them? Yes. Your parents are made in the image of God which means they can know some things that are true. They can say some true things. And so again, humble yourself 
and seek their advice. And what you do though, when you are getting advice from a parent who isn't a believer, you take that advice and you put it up against the lens of scripture and you filter it. And what you can use, you use, and what you can't, you leave. But this is a way that you can honor your parents. It says in Proverbs 23, Proverbs 23 says this, Proverbs 23, verse 22, it should come on the screen for you. It says, listen to your father who gave you life. I read it already. Do not despise your mother when she's old. Buy truth and do not sell it. Buy wisdom, instruction, and understanding. And so what we need to do is buy the truth, the wisdom that is being offered to us. And maybe you're in the room today and your parents are believers, but you're not a believer and your parents are looking at your life and the the direction it's trending, it's not going in a good direction. Your foolish choices are sort of piling up and it's causing them grief and it's making life harder for you. And they're telling you, you need wisdom. What they're telling you is that you need Jesus. See, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 24 says, Jesus is the wisdom of God. And so what they're calling you to do and telling you really is that you need to place your faith and your trust in Jesus. The first step to becoming wise is trusting Jesus for our salvation. Because when we accept Jesus, he gives us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit helps us to walk in wisdom every single day. See, the reality is is that Jesus was the only son who wasn't foolish. Jesus was the only son who was truly wise, and in his wisdom, he submitted to his father, and that submission took him all the way to the cross where he paid for our sins. See, the reality is, children, your parents couldn't stop being foolish on their own. I couldn't stop being foolish on my own, and you can't stop being foolish on your own, but Jesus can change you. And so you need to place your faith in him. You need to entrust your life to Jesus Christ. So children, don't be foolish, be wise. And parents, parents, if you're going to help your child grow up to not be foolish but to be wise, you can't be distracted. You need to be intentional. Parents, don't be distracted, be intentional. Proverbs 27, Proverbs 27, verse 8 says this, like a bird that strays from its nest is a man who strays from his home. From his home speaks to the the reality that the home is where a parent's supposed to be. But here's something that I've learned. You can be at home and not be at home. You can be there and still be straying. And it happens when other things have our attention, when other things have our focus. Parents start to stray when getting some more work done at home becomes their focus. When catching the big game becomes their focus. That's where I struggle, both of those. Working at home while my kids are like, Dad, can you play with us? I'm coming, guys. Just let me finish up some more work. Let me catch the big game. 
when the latest Trump controversy is our focus, when the text tweets, the emails, the status updates become our focus, when getting a little me time becomes our focus. See, some of these things aren't bad. They're just bad when they take priority over your children. See, as a parent, you don't want to neglect your child. You want to be there and engaged to develop a deep connection and trust with the child that will be so important for their development. So parents resist by the power of the spirit, the temptation to be distracted and be intentional. And we need to be intentional in two ways. The first is discipleship. We need to be intentional in our discipleship. And a major part of discipleship is modeling. Turn to Proverbs 14. Proverbs 14, verse 26. It says, In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children will have a refuge. This proverb is talking about that in the difficulties of life, that God needs to be our refuge. That when things get tough, when the storms roll in, that our confidence need to be in God. It's talking about being dependent on him. And when parents live this way, when they live this life of dependence, when they're modeling for their kids that they don't trust themselves when things get hard, that they trust God, it's very likely that the child will see that that is the wisest way to live and grow up and try their best to live that way also. Proverbs 23, verse 26 says, My son... Give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. Parents are supposed to live, not sort of by themselves, but by the power of the Spirit, to live in such a way that it's, it's clear they're living wise, that they can turn to their children and they're saying, son or daughter, Follow the things that you see me doing. Observe my ways. Follow me as I follow Jesus. You should live in such a way that if you turn to your children and say that, they're not going to be shocked. So when you say, follow me, let your eyes observe my ways, modeling for your children. So modeling is important and teaching them is also Important. Parents need to be intentional in teaching their children. Turn to Proverbs 22. Lots of us will know this one. Proverbs 22, verse 6. It says, train up a child in the way that he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Here's what's important about that verse. It's a principle. It's not a promise. Some people take this like it's a promise, but it's a principle. And so you might be sitting here and you're thinking, I've trained up my child, I've done all that I can, but now they're not walking with the Lord. Then the word to you is to pray and invite people to pray that that child would turn back to the ways that you have taught them. And here's this other thing. The other part of this is to not feel any guilt. You have been faithful and God is pleased with your faithfulness. And so don't feel guilty. Don't beat yourself up. 
but pray and ask the Lord to turn that child back to the things that you have taught them. That word train speaks of intentionality. Parents need to be intentional and wise when it comes to teaching their children. Parents need to be reading the Bible at home with their children. A wise parent is doing that. A wise parent is also asking the child questions. They're trying to get to know how the child's sorting through life and thinking about things. They're also allowing the child to ask questions. There's some things in the Bible, if you read it, that are gonna be very confusing for a child. And you've got to allow them to say, what does that mean? There's things that I read in the Bible now that I'm like, what does that mean? And so you've got to allow the child to ask questions. And the wise parent is doing all of this so they can tell the child the gospel. So they can teach the child the good news that yes, we have sinned. And that our sin separates us from God. But God in his mercy and love didn't leave us in our sin, but his love moved him to send his son, Jesus Christ, to live for us, to die for us, to rise from the grave and is reigning now in heaven. And one day he's going to return to tell them that if they place their faith in Jesus, that they can be saved. And that yes, we live in a world that is broken by sin. And that there's very difficult things that happen in the world. But that when we are in Christ, we aren't living in this world without hope. Because there's a day coming where Jesus is going to make all things new. The child who trusts in Jesus will be made new. The earth will be made new. And we will get to spend eternity with our Father who loves us. Tell the child that. To place their faith in Jesus So parents need to be intentional with discipleship so that children can know the truth. And parents also need to be intentional with discipline. Parents also need to be intentional with discipline. Proverbs 29 says, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. And the rod here refers to physical discipline. And I know in this room that there's a number of perspectives on physical discipline. And maybe growing up, you even had a negative experience with physical discipline. You need to hear me on this. What you experienced was not biblical discipline. That was something else. And God was not pleased with what you experienced. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm I'm not arguing for or against physical discipline. I just want to show the principle that needs to underline all forms of parental discipline. I want to show the why behind it all. So Proverbs 29 again. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Parents need to discipline because it drives out foolishness and replaces wisdom in the heart of a child. It brings wisdom to the child because it teaches the child that there's consequences for foolish behavior and that there's benefits to walking in 
wisdom. Now, when the Bible speaks about folly being in the heart of the child, it's not talking about childishness. When it says folly is in the heart of a child, it's not talking about childishness. Kids are going to do some childish things. They're going to spill their dinner. Kids are going to knock over their juice. At my house, that's happening all the time. It's just like juice flying everywhere. They just sweep and pants is getting wet and you're kind of diving all the time. That's going to happen. Your child, a young child is going to trip and land on that newborn in your house, body splashing the child at times. They're going to try to feed oatmeal to the cat. That's childishness. And parents are not called to discipline childishness. Parents are called to discipline foolishness. And this is the foolishness, the desire in the heart of the child to be ruled by no one. The desire in the heart of the child to not be under submission. I was in Superstore yesterday because I needed whiteout. And so I'm walking through Superstore at 7 a.m., tired, trying to find this whiteout. And I finally find it, and then I'm walking to the cash-out register, and there's a song playing. And it's a new song, and the song went like this. Don't tell me what to do. I am young and free, so don't tell me what to do. That is what's going on in the heart of the child. You see it when they won't let you change their diaper. They're doing the leg kick and the body roll. And you're like, you got poo, man. We got to figure this out. When the two-year-old rips the hat off the head that you just put on and goes like this, ha-ha. Or the five-year-old who's like, when you say, buddy, can you clean up your toys? No. You're like, what? (laughs) This left unchecked puts the child at risk. The child needs to learn the importance of submission because if a child won't submit to their parents, very likely when they get older, they will not submit to God. And parents... Make sure you keep this in mind. The child is not the only one in your house who struggles with submission. You do too. One real easy example, when your boss says, you need to do this and you need to do it now. And inside you're like, I don't wanna do that. You don't say it out loud because you wanna keep your job but there's something in you that just doesn't want to submit. See, it was our lack of submission that cost Jesus his life. We wouldn't submit to God, and so Jesus had to come and submit on our behalf, and that submission took him all the way to the cross. And so parents, keep that in mind so that you'll realize how much you've been loved by Jesus And let your discipline flow from a heart of love, a heart of humility, so that you can do it well. Proverbs 13, turn to Proverbs 13. Proverbs 13, verse 
Proverbs 13, verse 24 says, uh, whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Parents, because you love your children, and I know, I've got, I've got kids and I love them, so I know that the parents in this room, you love your children. And because you love them, then get to know them. Get to know them so that you can do this well. I love what Andreas Kostenberger says here. He says, children need to learn the consequences of wrong behavior. However, parents should take their child's unique personality and temperament into account. The only way a parent can take the child's temperament and personality into account is if they're engaged with the child, if they're not distracted, if they're intentional in their relationship with the child, so they know the child. So they can take it into account and be aware that some children may respond better to alternative forms of positive or negative consequences and reinforcements, i.e. timeouts, rewards, or loss of privilege. So get to know them. See, discipline requires discernment. Discipline requires wisdom. Discipline requires Prayer, discipline requires intentionality on the part of a parent so that in whatever form it takes, it will be done with warmth, that it will be done with affection. And this last one, which is extremely, extremely important, that it will be done with respect for the child. That is an image bearer that God, the child has been entrusted to you and to me. And God expects you to care for them well. And so that whatever you do, you are doing it with love and warmth and respect so that the child walks away and feels cared for. The child walks away and feels protected. The child walks away and feels loved. So love them. When parents disciple and discipline, it will bring peace in their family because it will help the child. And here's another thing that will bring peace into our families. When wives are not contentious, but loving. When wives are not contentious, but loving. Turn to Proverbs 21. Proverbs 21, verse nine. It says, it is better to live in the corner of a housetop than a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. It's hard for me to preach this part of the message. <laughs> the corner of the housetop is referring to a small room that would have been built on the roof, it would have been cramped, and it would have been lonely. 21 verse 19 says it in a different way. It's better to live in a desert land than with a quarrelsome and fretful woman. So the roof now is replaced with desert. See why it's hard for me to preach this? The desert would have also been lonely, but it would have also been a place where you were exposed to weather and danger. And so Solomon says here, it's better to be alone in a cramped space in the desert exposed to danger 
than live with someone who is contentious. Solomon says it's better to be away from this sort of a woman. And that's why single men, you need to be extremely wise in who you choose to marry. It's not something that you should enter into lightly. And single women, in the next point that I'm going to make to husbands, you are going to see why it's also extremely wise for you not to marry just any man. That it's something that both single women and single men should enter into wisely with wisdom. Solomon makes it clear here that it's difficult for a man to live with someone who's always looking for a fight. And the reason why wives are tempted in this way is because of the fall. Genesis chapter three, when sin happened, sin brought strife into the world. And so there's temptation here. And here's what uh, constant fighting does. Proverbs 27 verse 15. It says a continual dripping on a rainy day and a quarrelsome wife are alike. That continual dripping speaks to the fact that it's, it's kind of annoying. And that in truth, that constant fighting wears the man down and that if it goes on long enough, he will not want to be there. See, as a wife, you never want to give your husband any reason to think that it would be better to be somewhere else than it would be to be with you. And so instead of being contentious, be loving. And here's a loving thing, wives, that you can do in a tense moment. Turn to Proverbs 15. Proverbs 15, verse 28. Thanks for turning with me. It says, uh, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer. And so in a tense moment, wives, the Bible says to ponder to pause, to think about what you're about to say. Now, here's what I'm not saying, wives. I'm not saying that you don't have to say anything. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is you need to speak, but you need to speak the truth in love, and you need to speak in a respectful way. This is what Jesus did. Jesus, in his tense moment with Martha, he listened to her and he didn't sweep it under the rug. So wives, I'm not saying when your husband does something that makes things a little tense that you need to sweep it under the rug. That's not what I'm saying. So Jesus doesn't sweep it under the rug, but he, he speaks the truth and love to her, but he does it in a respectful and gentle way. And wives, because you are saved, if you're trusting in Jesus, you have the spirit at work in your heart. And so you can do this. You can speak the truth in love in a gentle way as you submit to the spirit's leading. So that's one way to, to be loving. Here's another way. Turn to Proverbs 19. Proverbs 19. Proverbs 19, verse 11. It says, good sense makes one slow to anger, and it, it's his glory to overlook an offense. And so the word here is to be wise and to be slow in getting angry and be willing to forgive. 
Here's the thing, wives. Your husband is imperfect. And you could have said amen there. He is on a journey to being glorified. The Bible says that when we see Jesus, that we will be made like him. That's talking about uh, being glorified. And that hasn't happened for your husband yet. And so he's going to do some sinful things and the temptation will be to try to take revenge on him. But this is another way that we can follow Jesus. See, when we sinned against Jesus, he didn't take revenge on us. Instead, Jesus went to the cross in order to forgive us. And so I'm, so I'm saying to follow Jesus here and be willing to forgive. And forgiveness is not easy. I'm not standing up here saying that this is an easy thing and or that it just happens like that. It takes time and prayer, but forgiveness needs to happen. We can follow Jesus in this way. Because wise, when you love your husband like this, when you love your husband in these ways, contentiousness goes down. Loving comes up and peace comes into your home. Now here's the thing, husbands. Peace in your home, it's not just up to your wife. Peace in your family, it's not just on wives, it's also on husbands. And so husbands, if you want peace in your family, don't be greedy, be grateful. Don't be greedy, be grateful. Turn to Proverbs 15 again. Proverbs 15, verse 27 says, whoever is greedy for unjust gain troubles his own household. The man who is greedy for gain will often do anything to get it. He'll lie, he'll cheat, he'll steal if he has to. But a person that is caught up in being greedy doesn't just harm themselves. The husband who is greedy harms his family members also. It says that he troubles his household. And one of the clearest examples of this in all of scripture is Achan. We meet Achan in Joshua chapter seven. The people of Israel had just won a, a big battle. They just sort of walked. They didn't do much except walk. And God did it all. But as they were sort of wrapping things up, God tells them to take none of the devoted things. But in Joshua seven, verse one, it says, Achan took some of the devoted things. He was overcome with greed and it moved him to sin. And here's the thing, he gets caught. He gets caught. His sin found him out. And in the end of Joshua 7, verses 24 to 26, you can read it when you get home, Achan gets punished, but it's not just him that gets punished. His entire household is punished with him. He brought trouble on his household. And that's why I said earlier, single women, don't just marry anyone. Be wise in who you choose to marry because the wrong man will bring trouble into your life. And if you're, so if you're seeing someone, the wise thing for you to do is to invite counsel in, to get people into your life who you know and you trust and get them to get to know that person and ask them for feedback 
Ask them, do you think this is a wise move? Do you think that this is a, the kind of man that somebody should settle down with? You don't want to make a mistake on that because they can bring trouble into your life. Husbands, when greed creeps in to your life, you forget the fact that God is generous and that in his generosity, he will give you all that you need in the proper time. And notice that the principle is true with children, it's also true with husbands, that your sin doesn't just affect you, it affects your entire family. And that's why it's wise not to engage in sin. And so the thing you want in your life is not greed. The thing you want in your life is contentment. And contentment comes when we are grateful. And outside of Jesus, the person you need to be most grateful for in your life is your wife. Turn to Proverbs 18. Proverbs 18, verse 22. It says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. This has happened in all three services. None of the husbands said amen to that. So wives, it's okay to be like, huh. so I'll give us another run at it. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Amen. That's right. Kim's like, amen. Amen. Derek Kinder in his commentary says, a better way to translate this would be, he who finds a wife finds a boon. What? A boon? When I read that, I was like, What's a boon? Now, husbands, it wouldn't be wise for you to be hanging out with your wife and be like, oh, love, you're such a boon. I'm so thankful for you. Without the definition, that wouldn't be helpful. So here's the definition of a boon. Can we get that up? Boon, something pleasant or helpful, a timely benefit or advantage. Husbands, when you got your wife, it was timely. We needed help. It was a benefit. The things that God is calling us to do, we couldn't do on our own. She's an advantage to you. When God gave you a wife, it was timely. Wives possess so much wisdom. They have a good sense about things. They know how to respond in so many different situations. So often I'm thinking about something and I'm thinking, oh, this is the right way to do it. And then I talk to Kim and she's like, no, what about this one? I'm like, that makes perfect sense. Let's do that. So much wisdom. Proverbs 19 verse 14 on the screen for you. It says, health and wealth is inherited from fathers. But a, but a prudent wife is from the Lord, prudent. She knows she's a help to you, full of wisdom, a good wife. Husbands, your wives are an expression of God's grace. She is his gift to you. 
And so never stop being grateful for her. Never stop loving her. Never stop respecting her. Never stop honoring her. Never stop protecting and providing for her. He has entrusted you with one of his daughters when God gave you a wife. And that is not a light thing. That is something to take seriously. Amen. Amen. See, when God looked at Adam and said, it is not good for a man to be alone. He didn't walk over with a bag of money and say, here you go. He walked his daughter over to Adam. That's why fathers on their daughter's wedding day walk their daughter down the aisle. They're just, they're just following what the Lord did in the book of Genesis. He brought her, him a wife. He didn't bring him money. See, money can't hold your hand when you're going into a scary doctor's appointment. Money can't cry with you in the midst of deep sorrow and loss. Money can't pray with you when that trial comes at work, when that confusing thing is going on in your life. Money can't pray with you. Money can't speak the truth in love to you when you are drifting into some dangerous sin and making some poor choices. Money can't help you parent that unique personality in your home. Money can't do any of those things, but your wife can do those things and often is doing those things. And so don't be greedy. Be grateful for her. Don't pursue greed. Pursue your wife. Protect her. Love her. She is God's help to you. And you need her. I, we need our wives. And so be grateful. God made two things extremely clear to me this week as I was getting ready to preach this message. And the first is that Every single member of the family can do damage to their family. Every single member of the family can do things that rob their family of peace. But God doesn't want that to happen. That's why he speaks to us in his word. He speaks to children. He speaks to parents. He speaks to husbands. He speaks to wives. He wants every single member of the family to know what they're capable of. And he does it for a reason. And this was the second thing he made clear. He wants every single member of the family to see and know that they need him. That if we're gonna have the things in our family, the, the peace in our family that I'm talking about, that we need God, that this is not something we can do on our own that we have to be dependent on him because with God's help, children can be wise. With God's help, parents can be intentional. With God's help, wives can be loving. With God's help, husbands can be grateful for their wives. They can protect her and care for her. And this peace that we all want in our families can come into our lives, but it's only when we are living dependent on God. God is the only one who can bring us that lasting peace 
that we want in our families. So don't trust yourself. Trust the Lord. Lean on him. See how much we need him. Let's pray. And so, Father God in heaven, the one who has everything in his hand, the one who is in control, providentially ruling all things and guiding all things, God, I pray that we would be a people who are truly dependent. Lord, I pray that we would see how much we need you and your work in our families. God, that when we are trusting in you, that when we're leaning on you, Father, that peace will come, that peace will be in our homes, that some amazing things will happen. And so I pray, Father, that you would help us, but also, God, that you would cause us to be a dependent and humble people who know they need their God and who seek him for help as we seek to love our families. Would you give us wisdom, Father? I pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. This has been an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Brampton, Ontario. For more information about our church or to contact us, please visit harvestbrampton.ca.